0: How's everybody doing today? Man, it's such a blessing to be up here. You guys have no idea. I mean, I have so many people to thank that are even in this audience right now that have helped mold and shape me to the person I am today, which is never beyond the grace of God, but, but I thank you guys, man. You guys know who you are, and you know, life is a crazy journey sometimes. You go from place to place and from experience to experience, and sometimes You don't even know how you got there. I mean, me being on this stage right here has me wondering the same thing. How did I get here? And even more important is how did God get me up here? How did God take me from where I was to where I am today? Up here and preaching with my Calvary family that I love and appreciate. Man, you guys are incredible to serve in, day in, day out, week in, week out. I love you guys, man. You know, as, as we think of this concept, this concept of not really knowing how you get from place to place, it reminds me of how I need a GPS to go anywhere. I mean, listen, there's people in this audience right now that have driven with me, and you guys know that to go anywhere, I need a GPS. And one time I remember we were leaving the office, and me and Pastor Mark, we went to go get something to eat. And so we go and have lunch, and we pick out, the office joke is that every time Steve eats, it's like a buffet. And honestly, it is. I love, I love flavors. I love food. And so me and Pastor Mark go, we, we eat. And as we get back in the truck, I pull out the GPS. And Pastor Mark starts looking at me like, what is this guy doing, you know? And you guys know Pastor Mark is crazy. He starts questioning me. He starts acting like I'm going to kidnap him, like I'm going to pull out a rope and tie him up or something, you know? And I'm like, dude, I just need this GPS to get us back to the office, And he just, you know, he couldn't believe it. And another time, just like that, uh, I had just moved back to Miami in 2006. And I was with a group of friends in my truck. And we're trying to get to Dolphin Mall. And I love Dolphin Mall. And we're trying to get to Dolphin Mall. And so, you know, I didn't know how to get there except to get on the highway. You know? So I told my friends, look, I'm just going to jump on the highway and we'll be there in a few minutes. And they tried to talk me out of it. You know, they were like, dude, you don't have to get on the highway. And I was like, look, I'm going to take the highway because that's the best way that I know how to go. And so that's what we're doing. And so I jump on the highway and I start off on the 826. And then somehow I end up on the 836. Then the turnpike. I miss my exit. And I end up right back to where I started at the beginning. The same exit that I had gotten on was the one that I took to get off. And by this time, my friends are going crazy. They're throwing things at me. They're like, dude, what is wrong with you? Why didn't you just listen to us? And I was like, dude, I was just trying to go the best way that I could. And, you know, they ended up telling me, look, you see this street right here? If you would have just gone down that street and made a left, you would have been in there like in four minutes. Instead, we had driven for 45 minutes. I mean, I probably wore out my tires with all the miles I put on my truck. And this was was like when uh, gas was like $5 a gallon. And I wasted like a tank of gas for no reason, and it was all because I didn't want to listen to my friends, you know? And so what if I would have just listened to their advice? You know, what if I would have listened to them, and I would have got to the same destination in a fraction of the time? I wouldn't have put all those miles on my truck and all that stuff. But you know, I'm so hard-headed. It's the guano in me, you know? I don't want to listen to anybody. You know, how many of us in this room, has done something and somebody told us not to do it but we went ahead and did it anyways and you know, oh you see look people just man people are I'm telling you somebody told you like not to buy a house right during the boom but you said nah, I'll flip it but then you bought it and you were stuck with it or that car that looked like the best car in the world and when you bought it it was a lemon but someone told you hey don't buy that car somebody told you not to date that person. But, man, they were so hot. Man. And then you dated them, and, yeah, it was just like they told you. You shouldn't have done it. Right? We don't listen to people. But sometimes we do the same things with God. We go the best way that we know how to go. We make decisions based on our own wisdom. And then we find out God had a much better way to do things the entire time. And so, you see, my walk with Christ is kind of like that. You know, as a kid, I went to more elementary, middle schools, and high schools than I can remember. I couldn't tell you how many counties in South Florida and Northern Florida, I couldn't tell you how many counties I've lived in. You know, my parents were divorced before I even knew what a divorce was. And so this kind of life really left me feeling broken, feeling empty, feeling like I had no place to call home. This experience really left me with no long-term friends, no family structure. I had no encouragement to excel in anything in my studies, in sports, in life period. I had no, no real encouragement. And finally, you know, there was a change when I started going to church and uh, even attended a youth group when I was like 11 and 12 years old. And man, I remember going to that youth group and I remember my heart just burning for God. God. And you know the pastors, the youth pastors there, they even saw potential in me. You know, they they let me lead a couple times. But the thing is that that wasn't enough. By the time I was 13, I decided to go my own way. By the time I was 13, I was exposed to many things of this world that impacted me for a long time. See, by the time I was 13, I smoked weed for the first time. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to enjoy life, you know. I just wanted to have a good time. And who was I hurting? But before I knew it, I was in my 20s, and a decade flew by like this. And the person that I ended up hurting was myself. See, I stopped going to church altogether. And as a teenager, I skipped most of my high school days. And uh, you guys could probably relate, but uh, if it wasn't for night school, I probably wouldn't have graduated high school, you know? All my night school grads out here, GEDs. But you know, there's nothing wrong with that. We did it, right? Right? After that, what uh, was supposed to be my college years, ended up being almost foolish years. See, I went to trade school and I got some college education, but most of the things that I've learned about life happened the hard way, through the hard knocks they call it, through making terrible mistakes. Then I was 21. I was in Miami, and I had always dreamed about the raves and the parties and the house music and. You know, it was my chance, my opportunity to live it up. And so I did, at least I thought I did. You know, I went out all the time and I did a bunch of crazy things and I even popped ecstasy pills just to make the night that more, much more exciting, you know? A lot of times on TV and stuff, this stuff sounds real cool, sounds like a lot of fun. But in the end, these are... People that do this, people like myself, were just looking for a way to cope with life, a way to smile, a way to have fun. And so you see, the devil lies to us and makes sin sound crazy and exciting. But the truth is it left me empty because sin is never fulfilling. I also had experienced several broken relationships that cursed me with a feeling of there would never be love again and I'd never have a chance to get married. I thought it was never going to be an option. And, and thankfully, all of this stuff changed in 2009 when I found myself at a crossroad. I found myself at a crossroad between the path I was on that was going to lead me to spiritual and almost physical death and another path with which, which had spiritual and physical life. See, at that very point is when I found out about Calvary Fellowship. God had allowed a ton of heartache and pain to come my way. I was torn apart. I was beat up. I was worn out. Nothing that used to excite me anymore brought me happiness. And that's why it might sound radical, might sound crazy. But when I found out about this church, I came every Sunday. I started serving right away. And within a month, I got baptized. See, I didn't know how I was going to get through all this. But I knew that the power of God was stronger than anything that I was going through. And sometimes when it comes to walking with God, we wait for this, quote-unquote, perfect time to do things, right? When we're going to feel 100% ready to do something. But let me tell you about things with God. Sometimes it's not about feeling 100% ready to do it. It's about finding the courage and standing up and taking a stand and saying, today I'm going to do this in the name of Jesus. And so I got into those baptismal waters, expecting the worst. Or actually, I was fearing the worst, but I was expecting the best. You know, I kept coming on Sundays, and I joined a small men's group, and uh, I started serving. And that baptism was the greatest thing that I could have ever done with my life. It marked a change for me. And ironically, I find myself, I found myself right back. where I started when I was 11 and 12 years old see just like when I was trying to go to the mall with my friends and I took this huge detour to get back to where I had just started that's what my life had just done I had taken this huge detour with my life because I wanted to go my own way and then God brought me right back to him to the foot of the cross see God had wanted me to walk with him since my youth and I took this detour And you know, the thing is, I lost so much time. I experienced so much heartache and pain. And I created heartache and pain for others. And see, the final result, the final thing, the final problem was that I didn't trust God. I thought my ways were better than his ways. And many of us are living our lives like this. We take things into our own hands with relationships, with our finances, with our jobs, right? We want to be in control. But what we really need to do is follow God and put things in his hands. We need to trust him. The Bible says this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's in your notes so you can follow along. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. See, these verses here, they're like blueprints. They're like blueprints for our lives. You know, God here is giving us clear instructions and how to follow him. But if only we would follow instructions, right? Especially us guys, right? It's like we get something from Ikea and uh, we rip open the package, we throw away the instructions and then we try to build it the best way that we know how. We always end up with extra pieces at the end. And let's be honest, Nothing against stuff, against them. The Swedish aren't going to give you extra pieces, okay? It's like all of us have that uncle, especially that Cuban uncle that's a mechanic, and you have him put your alternator in or something, and at the end he ends up with extra pieces. You're like, dude, an alternator is not going to come with extra pieces, okay? And that's why we need to follow the instructions. Because if we don't, we end up building something that we expect to fall apart because we didn't do it the right way from the beginning, and so you see, when life is the same way. We have to trust God with all of our hearts. We need to lean not on our own understanding. We need to acknowledge him in everything we do, and he will direct our paths. These are the instructions for our lives. The Bible is literally like the GPS for our lives. The Bible gives us directions on the path to joy. See, I wish I could have embraced trusting God when I had the chance at 11 and 12 years old. But instead, I decided to do my own thing, trusting my own ways, which led me down a path of destruction. And so listen, some of you here may be experiencing consequences of living life the way that you wanted. You might be in the middle of a divorce. You might find yourself being a single parent. You might find yourself carrying a disease because instead of waiting for a spouse, you went out and did your own thing. You may be battling an addiction because instead of depending on the joy of God, you began to depend on the things of this world. Listen, if you're here today, I just want to let you in on something. God had a plan for you before you were born. God had a plan for you when you stepped in the wrong direction. God has a plan for you today, and God has a plan for you tomorrow, that whatever's holding you back today will not hold you back tomorrow. God will get you out of any situation. You're just trusting him. And so today we're going to be talking about how the path to joy is paved through trusting God and doing what he says. There's a a person in the Bible, and he kind of reflects my story a little bit about not trusting God. The bad part is, or the hard part is, we don't even know his actual name. The only thing he's mentioned in the Bible as is the rich young ruler see, this guy heard about Jesus. He went out to follow him, but he was never willing to actually trust and do what he said. And so listen, if you have your Bible app with you or your Bible, I just want you guys to follow along in Matthew chapter 19. And we'll pick up on verse 16. We're going to see how this rich young ruler is an example of what not to do when it comes to trusting God. And then we're going to explore three steps in actually walking out our trust with him. And so Matthew 19, 16 through 22 says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And so he said to him, Why do you call me good? There is no one good but God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? So Jesus said, You shall not murder You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So if you can pause there and give me your attention. I want to set the stage here. There's two people in this story that we're talking about. And the first is the rich young ruler. And this guy was kind of like the Kanye West of his day. And we actually have a picture of Kanye West here. Whoa, I'm, I'm jealous of those teeth. No, I'm just joking. You know, Kanye West, he has a net worth of about $100 million dollars. And he had a baby with Kim Kardashian, which is one of the most famous women of our time, though my girl is hotter. Just saying. And he has a style called swaggoo. Kanye West calls his style swaggoo. And that's just a spin off of swag. And so when I say swaggoo I don't want you to think of ragu. I'm not talking about a spaghetti sauce, okay? Kanye West calls his style swag goo. And so listen, we can actually take that picture down because somebody might end up here next week with Calvary gold teeth and I don't want to be the one that inspired that. It's okay. We have this rich young ruler, right? He was kind of like the Kanye West of his day. This guy, man, he had it all. So he comes to Jesus and he asks an interesting question. Why call me good? There is no one good but God. But look, Jesus here is getting the young ruler to really think about what he's saying. Because Jesus is either good and God, or he's bad, and therefore, just a man. But if Jesus is bad, then why would this rich young ruler come up and ask him how to have eternal life? And so you see, Jesus is good, and Jesus is God. And that needed to be made perfectly clear before he went on to answer the question, And so then Jesus states several of the Ten Commandments, and the ruler says, yeah, 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 listen, I've done all that. But then Jesus comes back and drops the gauntlet on him and says, hey, sell everything you have and follow me. And you see, this young ruler wasn't expecting that. And so let me ask you guys a question. Growing up, for me, my favorite candies were sour candies. Anybody here like sour candies at all? Crybabies, warheads? Well, we actually got some for you here. And so the ushers are going to come up and just give you guys some sour candies. And just, you know, there's plenty of people here. So please, I know some of you are infatuated with these type of candies. Let's make sure we give some to everybody. And so just grab one as they pass by. Yeah, come on. And I want some people that maybe are hesitant because they don't know if they can handle it. I want to test you guys. I want to try you guys too. I want you guys to give them a shot. And don't open them up and eat them yet, please. Come on. Wait, wait. Let's wait. Let's do this together. Let's do this like a family. All right. We'll let everybody else catch up. So listen, if you have a candy, I want you to open it, but don't eat it. Just wait. All right, so here we go. On the count of three. Oh, okay, okay, hold on. All right, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're going to do this as a family, Calvary Fellowship, right? We're going to do this as the fellowship. This is fun. All right, here we go. On the count of three, everyone who has a candy... I want you to eat it. And if you get it after that, just eat it afterwards, okay? So here we go. One, two, three, start eating. And if you got two, you can put two in your mouth. Listen, I want everybody who's not eating one to look at somebody that's eating one. And even if you're eating one, I want you guys to look at each other. Because this is what we look like right now. And I got a picture of it up here. You see that? We're all making this sour face, right? Listen, the face that you see in the person next to you and the face that you see up on that screen... Is the face that the rich young ruler made when when Jesus told him to sell everything he had to follow him. We make these sour faces. And what if I was to tell you that sometimes this is the face that we make to God. When God tells us to do something that we don't want to do, sometimes we make that same face, you know. We walk away because we don't trust God. We don't trust in his ways. We trust our ways more than his ways. And so you see, the story of this young ruler is kind of like me getting lost to the mall when my friends knew how to get there the whole time. But instead of listening and trusting, I wanted to make my own way. And it ended up taking me forever to get to the same location. If I would have just listened, I would have saved a ton of time and I would have saved myself a bunch of frustration. See, this young ruler wanted to know how to inherit eternal life. But when Jesus, being good and being God, told him how to inherit eternal life, He didn't want to listen. He wasn't willing to pay the cost to inherit eternal life. He loved his possessions. He loved his lifestyle more than he loved God. Let me ask you this. Don't you want to live a life that brings glory to God? Don't you want to live a life that will leave a legacy after you're gone as a person who lived for things greater than himself, a person that, you know, really reached his family, really loved his family, really loved his neighborhood or her neighborhood. Don't you want to live a life that's, that's greater than yourself? And, and Don't you want to live a life that is greater than every problem that you've ever had, every situation that's ever held you back? The Rich Young Ruler had the same opportunity, but he didn't want to do what it took. He didn't want to give up everything he had. And listen, I don't want you to mistake that Following God means that you have to give up everything you have, that you have to sell everything now to follow him. But what it does mean is that you have to trust him in every way. That all the things that you used to trust in, you have to let go of. You know, many of us are putting all of our trust into things that are eventually going to fail us. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about jobs. I'm talking about education. I'm talking about how much money you have in the bank. A lot of us here live in life and we're putting our trust in these things. And these things aren't bad. But if you put your faith and your trust in that, it's going to let you down. The only person that's never going to let you down, come anything in life, is God. And so we need to trust in him. And so listen, I pray that anything that you're going through, anything that you're dealing with, anything that you've been putting your faith in, I pray that today, you leave it at this altar, that you leave it at the base of this cross. I know you may not know how to stop trusting the things that you've been trusting in, but if you put your faith in Christ, He's going to move the mountains, not you. God is waiting for you with open arms. And today, I just want to share with you three steps in trusting God. And the first we're going to find it in Matthew 11:28. It's actually in your notes. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so the first point I want you to fill out in your outline is to come to Jesus with your struggle. Come to Jesus with your struggle. Look, Jesus wants us to go to him when we're weary, when we're tired, when we're brokenhearted. Jesus says that he wants to give us rest. And if we're honest, how many of us want to take a nap right now? How many of us would love to be? Me too, okay? (laughs) And what Jesus is saying is come to me so I can give you that spiritual rest. See, God doesn't want us to struggle alone. And so let me ask you, have you ever had like a struggle? Or you messed up, you did something. And you could have used a little help. But instead of asking for help, you try to figure it out all on your own. I know I have. I can remember when I was... uh, In elementary school, I remember I was on the orchestra team. And I know what you guys are thinking. You wouldn't have taken me as a violinist, okay? I mean, you just heard me rapping, and I did a poem for you guys, and you would have never thought that I would have been a violinist. Well, I'll be truthful. I never really was, okay? I tried for like three weeks, and it didn't go too well. But, uh, you know, I tried hard for those three weeks, I admit. And uh, there was a school concert coming up and we were allowed to take the violin home with us. So I took the violin home and I was practicing, and man, it sounded horrible. I mean, when I say bad, I'm talking about it sounded like somebody screaming in my ears, it was that bad. And so a violin is kind of like a guitar. When you uh, tune a guitar, there's these things on the side that you turn and it tightens the strings. And so violins are just like that. So I remember I would tighten the strings and uh, I'd play a little bit, and it sounded bad. So I tightened the string a little more, Man, it still sounded bad. And then about the third or fourth time that I tightened those strings, one just popped and broke. And now I was freaking out for my life. Because I remembered I had signed a waiver form for this violin. And now if my mom had to pay it, she was going to throw a chancleta across my head. Okay? So I remember I grabbed the violin. I run to the bathroom. And I start pulling on the string. And I'm trying to reattach it. I'm trying to get it back on the violin. And obviously it didn't go back on. As a kid, you would have thought that made sense. But as an adult, you look back and you say, man, that was never going to work. But I was pulling on that string. And what I didn't know was that that string is made of metal. And as I was pulling on that string, the metal sliced my finger completely open. And now I was going like this and that. And there was blood on the mirror and on the floor. And now my mom was really going to beat me. I was never abused, but I'm saying. And so now I'm really freaking out. I'm like, yo. I got a broken violin, and I'm bleeding all over the place, and I need stitches. But the Kuwano and me came out. I put paper towels on my finger and some duct tape, and I was good to go. <laughs> the next day, I ended up going to school, and now I'm there with a broken violin and a duct-tape finger as a cast, looking ridiculous. I felt like such a loser. And I, uh, I ended up walking up to... Uh, one of the students there, and I was like, yo, man, look, I broke this violin, and I don't know what to do, and the kid just looks at me. He goes, oh, strings right over there, and I look, and there was a mountain full of free strings. I had gone through all this for nothing. The worst part is, if I would have just gone to the teacher, right, she would have just, like, showed me how to tune it, right? She would have just gotten me through it. I would have had, a new string, I would have been ready to go and I wouldn't have had to have this duct tape finger looking ridiculous. Right? I wanted to go through the struggle alone. But you see, with God, we do the same thing. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, when Jesus clearly says to him to come to him and give us rest, we choose to struggle alone instead of resting in him. And so look, if you're going through something right now and you feel like, man, I got to struggle this on my own, Nobody's going to help me. I just want to give you a bit of advice. Stop. Bring it to Christ. God wants to give you rest. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that it's not going to take effort. But what I'm saying is you can let go of this pressure of feeling like you got to do it alone. God is saying to come to him, and he's going to give us rest. And so, you know, you might be saying, all right, Steve, you know, I understand. I need to come to Jesus. How do I do this? Well, the first point was to come to Jesus with your struggles. And the second point is to listen to the words of Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew eleven fifteen, 15, he who has ears, let him hear. See, in order to trust God and turn your struggles into him, you have to listen to his words. The Bible is a guide for us to follow. God gives us clear instructions on how to deal with things. And you know, uh, before I was on staff at the church, I worked in construction for a long time, you know, kind of like a handyman and stuff like that. And so I always had a day job, but being ambitious, you know, I always took on side work also. And so I remember my first side job uh, doing tile, I did like 2,500 square feet. And for all of you who know 2,500 square feet is, that's a whole lot of tile. And uh, I would get off work and I'd go there at night and uh, I, had, I had a friend of mine helping out, which is in the audience today. But we'd go and we'd knock it out and we did the whole inside of the house with no problem. It came out awesome. And then in the backyard, there was these two concrete pads that we had to tile as as well. And so the first concrete pad, man, it came out great. But the minute that I started the second concrete pad, I started taking measurements and I'm like, this doesn't look right. I mean, the guy who made this must've been guessing because it looked more like a circle than a square. There was nothing straight about this concrete pad. And now I had to figure out how to get, you know, straight tile lines on there. Because tile, like a lot of things in life, how you start will dictate a lot of how you finish. And so I remember, I'm there taking measurements with, with the guy who's helping me out. And there was this landscaper there. And so the landscaper sees me. He sees me measuring and sees something's up. And so he comes up to me. He tries to give me advice. He's like, hey, listen, you know, if you just do it this way, you know, you'll be all right. And I look at him like, Are you serious? Like, dude, you're installing trees, and I'm installing tile, and you're going to tell me how to do this? I don't think so, buddy, you know? I was prideful. And so I just started laying tile like I wanted to, and we ended up laying tile till like 12 o'clock. So we come back the next day, and the sun was out, and I started looking at this, this tile, and I started realizing, if I keep going the way that I'm going, this is going to look more like cooked spaghetti strings than straight tile lines. This was all off course. And now I was really wishing that I would have listened to that landscaper. Now I had to buy this expensive jackhammer and we ended up ripping out all this tile and I ended up tired, worn out, beat up. I didn't make any money. Why? Because I didn't listen to that guy. And you know, the same thing we do with God. How often do we we do this with God? You know, we're wasting our lives because we don't listen. We know what Jesus says, yet we decide to do our own thing. And the Bible says this in Romans 10, 17, which is in your notes. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if faith comes by hearing the word of God, and you see God spoke the world into existence, why wouldn't we listen to his words? In Genesis chapter 1, it's written that the world was created as God spoke. And then in the gospel of John, it's written that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And so here the Bible is telling us that Jesus himself is the word and was with God the Father in the beginning when everything was created in Genesis. So how important is it for us to listen to him, to listen to his words? Faith comes through listening to Christ. But then there's this interesting thing that happens in the word. See, because though we got to listen, then something changes here. In James one twenty two, something's added, it's listening, but then it says, be doers of the word and not only hearers deceiving yourselves, James one twenty two. See, we need to listen to the words of Jesus, but then we need to apply them. If we would only take the words of Jesus and truly listen to him, man, we'd save ourselves from all kinds of heartache, all kinds of crucial mistakes. See, when that landscaper told me how to lay that tile, I got prideful. I felt that I didn't need someone to tell me what to do, especially someone less qualified to give me advice. And how often do we look at Jesus and say, man, you're not qualified to give me advice. You're God, you're up there somewhere. You're not living what I'm living. You're not here with me on earth. You're God. But then Hebrews 4.15 in your note says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize for our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. Yet, without sin. Look, Jesus understands what we go through. He's been there. He walked this earth. The Bible says that he even wept. We know the story of passion. He was crucified. Jesus knows what, we, what we've been through. You know, the landscaper who tried to give me advice on how to lay towel, he must have laid towel a hundred times. But because it looked like he wasn't qualified, I didn't want to listen to him. And how many times have we thought someone was one way only to find out that we were totally wrong? There was a time a few years ago before I was on church, uh, on staff at the church. And we were going to go out to Ultra Music Festival to evangelize. And I actually went out to Ultra many times on my own before I was walking with the Lord. And then when I got saved, when I got baptized, when I started walking with God, I said, you know what? I got to go back there and reach these people. I know what it was like to feel empty, and I got to go back. So I took about 20 people with me, like 500, 600 bottles of water, and we went out there. And as soon as I pulled into a parking lot, this homeless man must have seen the little fish on my truck. Those fishes are good for something, unless you're in road rage and don't then take it off your truck. And so we go out there, and uh, as soon as I pull in, this homeless guy walks up, sees the fish. And, man, as soon as I saw the guy, as soon as I saw him, I judged him. I said, this guy's going to come and ask me for money. And you know what? He did ask me for money. But that wasn't what God wanted to show me. See, this guy ended up pulling out his Facebook account on one of my friend's phones. And this guy had been just like you and me. I mean, this guy less than a year ago had been walking around with a suit and a tie with a regular job. And now he had done a couple things, wrong decisions or whatever, and he was on the street and dirty and beat up. And he showed us a picture of his 16-year-old daughter that he hadn't seen in a while. You know, it broke my heart. broke my heart to see a man that was just like me on a street like this. We prayed for him, and, um, you know, we gave him some money and some food, some, something to drink. And he was on his way. And... How often do we do this with people? We judge them when we see them, and we know nothing about them. We make assumptions about them and have no idea what has happened in their life. And the reality is that they're just like us. See, it's the same with Christ. It's the same with Jesus. He understands us, yet we make this assumption that he has no idea about our life, that he has no business telling us how to live it. But listen, he walked this earth and he felt the pain. He was betrayed. He was tempted. He knows our struggle. And this should encourage us to listen to him we need to listen to his words and then walk them out that's trust that's faith we listen and then we walk it out faith in action as we walk it out it's not just about sundays it's applying what god has spoken to us and now we're going to live it out we're going to walk it out and so the bible says this matthew 16 24 it's in your notes jesus said to his disciples if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me and so listen if you're ready to bring your struggles to christ and you're ready to listen to the words of jesus then you're ready for the third point which is to follow where jesus leads follow where jesus leads and so let me ask you a question Where is Jesus leading you today? Where is Christ trying to take you? As I think of the story of uh, when I drove around the highway for an hour, right? If I would have just listened to my friends, I could have been to the mall in five minutes. And I wonder how many of us in this room are running from God because we don't trust him. And so you see there's a story in the Bible about wandering around unnecessarily instead of listening to God. The children of Israel, they were promised a land with milk and honey, but they sinned against God. They didn't trust him. And so in the end, they felt the consequences of the sin. And so if you'll follow along, God says to the children of Israel, numbers 14, 33 to 34, which is in your notes. And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness according to the number of days in which you spied out the land. Forty days for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. And so you see, God had wanted to bless the children of Israel. He wanted to give them this land. But instead of trusting God, they trusted their own ways, and now they were made to wander around for 40 years. God was offended by all this stuff. You know, he, they were promised a land flowing with milk and honey, but they didn't want to trust them. They wanted to trust their own ways. They wanted to trust and be guided by their false emotions. And so they sinned against God. And listen, I spent much of my life like this, trusting my own ways, my own thoughts. What I thought was better. I don't want you to fall victim to this. You know, the world tells us, it's my way or the highway, right? But what God says is if you do it, My way, I'm going to put you on the highway. I'm going to put you on the highway to blessing. I'm going to put you on the highway to fulfillment. I'm going to put you on the highway to eternal life. I'm going to put you on the highway to heaven. Not stairway to heaven. I know you guys know Led Zeppelin. Right? Listen, God is waiting for you with open hands. He's saying, trust me. He's saying, let me lead you. Let me take you on a different way. Let me take you on a different path. Trust me and follow where i lead you and look the rich young ruler had the same opportunity but he chose his own way and and now we don't even know this guy's name we just know him by the rich young ruler this guy could have been a disciple of christ he could have probably written one of the books in the new testament but instead he chose to follow his own ways he chose to you know embrace his possessions he wasn't willing to pay the cost to follow christ And in Jewish culture, your name is everything, everything. So for it not to be mentioned in the Bible is a big deal. And so today, I want to ask you a question. What do you want your life to be worth? What is your life going to say about who you were? What is your legacy going to leave behind to your kids, to your family? Because, you know, many of us are living the way that we want to live. We're doing what we want to do. But tomorrow is not promised to anyone. And we could easily end up like the rich young ruler and nobody even knows your name. But God gives us all the same opportunity. Today, I want you to know that Jesus is saying that if you follow me and come to me, I'm not going to leave you stranded, I'm not going to leave you behind. Your name is worth something. And God has given you an opportunity today to create a new name for yourself. Regardless if you've been walking with Christ or you haven't. He's saying to trust me. Follow me. Take up your cross. I got a new way for you to go. This opportunity is here for you today and Jesus is here with open arms. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you For this group of people, I thank you that you've brought us here today. I thank you that you love us with such a passion that you died on the cross. I thank you that you love us so much that though we could take a detour with our lives, you're always there ready to get us right back on the right track. And so I pray, Father, for all of us who maybe have been walking with you but walked away. Maybe are walking with you but are not trusting in you. Or maybe for some of us here that, We've never walked with you at all. We don't even know what that means. We don't even know where to start. I pray that today be a special day for all of us. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, about a year ago, I had started looking for friends on Facebook, friends that I hadn't seen in a long time. Friends from high school and middle school. And, you know, it was really cool because I got to see what their life was like and they got to see what mine was like. And I was just excited because, you know, I'm nobody, man. I'm just a regular person. But I love to be a testimony of what God could do in an average life. And so I found a bunch of friends and it was so cool to see them. But then, that blessing suddenly took a shift for the worse. See, there was a guy that I had gone to middle school with, and uh, he started off on the same way that I did, and he died, suddenly and tragically, out of nowhere. He started out just like me. He started off drinking, smoking, acting stupid, and now he was gone. That could have been me. I could have been the one that died. And you know, the worst part about it all is that I don't think he ever made a decision to follow Christ. And you know, what if, what if he would have made that decision? Maybe he'd still be alive today. I don't even know how he died. But even if he would have passed away, at least he would have taken eternal life. At least he would have gone on this ride with Christ forever. But instead now he's gone and I don't think he ever accepted Christ in his heart. Listen, there may be something that you're struggling with. I invite you to surrender it today. Surrender your struggles into God. You may be fighting, listening to God. Because it feels like the things he's commanding you to do are too hard. Maybe you've been running for so long. You just don't know how to stop, slow down and surrender. Well, my friends, I found myself where you are almost four years ago. And you know what? It was the best decision that I could have ever made. It changed everything, everything. And still, every time that there's an altar call, I feel this call in my heart to be up here. Because we're never beyond grace. We're never beyond needing Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor, and I will give you rest. And so if you've never decided to follow Christ, today is your day for salvation. And if you've been walking with Christ, but there's something that you're not trusting with him with, if there's something that's holding you back, if there's something that has been derailing you, today is your day for reconciliation. And so I'm going to invite everybody to stand up with me. And as the band plays, I'm going to invite you guys to come up. And I want you guys to pray with me. If you've never made a decision to follow Christ, today is your day. If you've been walking far from God, today is your day. Listen, I don't care if it's alcohol. I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care if it's pornography. I don't care if it's lust. I don't care if you just don't know if there's a God up there. He's calling you. What you feel in your heart is real. And you need to come up here and pray today. So as the band plays, I'm going to invite you up out of your seat. I want to pray with you. I want you to start a new life today. Tomorrow can be different for you.